Please and turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter number 9. Isaiah, chapter number 9. One of the most famous uh, Old Testament prophecies of Christ is in this chapter. And Isaiah 9 is right, right near the middle of your Bible. If you are new to us and new to Christianity, you get your Bible open in the middle. You're going to be awfully close to the book of Isaiah. And um, we're in chapter number 9. Isaiah, chapter number 9. I'm going to read several verses, and then I'm going to ask you to join me on uh, the third verse, which is our text verse, and one particular phrase in the verse, we will draw our uh, sermon title from it. So Isaiah chapter number 9, and uh, I'm going to read verse 1 and 2 and ask you to join me on verse number 3. Let's stand together for the reading of the Word of God and to show respect for the Word of God. Uh, Please stand if you're physically able. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 1 and 2. You follow along and then join me in unison on verse 3. Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation, when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. Those are tribes of Israel. And afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan in Galilee of the nations. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined together. Thou hast multiplied the nation and not increased the joy. They joy before thee according to the joy in harvest, and as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. I'm going to read verse 4 and 5, and then have you join me on verse 6. For thou hast broken the yoke of his burden, and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. That's a reference to the battle of Gideon against the Midianites and that miracle victory. For every battle of the warrior is with confused noise, and garments rolled in blood. But this shall be with burning and fuel of fire. And verse 6 together. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of course that promised son, that promised child here, is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Often the brightest lights of prophecy shine In the darkest of days, Assyria was ready to invade the northernmost tribes referenced there in the first verse. And God comes in the middle of that darkness and gives one of the sweetest promises in the Old Testament. Jesus is coming to earth. Amen. Amen. And so in the midst of all that sorrow, there is joy. I take our text, our sermon title from the middle of verse 3 where the Bible speaks of this, the joy in harvest. You see that phrase there? The joy in harvest. And I want to speak to you on the subject this morning, finding the joy in harvest. Heavenly Father, please fill me with your Holy Spirit. Let me communicate well the truths that you placed upon my heart for thy people in this hour. And may you fill these that listen May we remove distractions, perhaps, that are in our hands 
or waiting for us on the pew when we sit down to pick up. Help us to put those away and respect you and your word more than that. Help us to refrain from talking, from getting up and walking out, from being distracted. Help us to focus our minds and hearts for these few precious minutes that we have to get a truth, Lord, that could keep us going in troublesome times. Give us great hope and encouragement and change literally the atmosphere of our lives if we'll learn to find the joy in the harvest. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. We are uh, enjoying uh, spaghetti squash at the house. Now, I didn't know what spaghetti squash was a few years ago, but I have learned to love spaghetti squash. Any spaghetti squash eaters in here? Okay, all right. Uh, spaghetti squash is squash. And when, you, and when you eat it, it looks like spaghetti. That's why they call it spaghetti squash. And uh, if you haven't discovered it, it's definitely worth discovering. And uh, I love zucchini. I love fried zucchini. I love stir-fried zucchini. I love zucchini bread. I thought I'd get more amens than that. But anyway, uh, but I found uh, a new favorite squash, and that's spaghetti squash. And, uh, and, uh, and we, uh, uh, you split it open in the middle, and, um, and, uh, and then uh, you, you scrape it out. Sort of like you scrape out the inside of a pumpkin, except it comes out, and it literally it looks just like spaghetti. Like, Angel, here's spaghetti. And you put a little, uh, you put a little uh, real maple syrup on it and a little cinnamon, and you are in the spirit all of a sudden. I mean, it's just like heaven came down. Anyway, it's good stuff. Now, we're getting that. I, I'm going somewhere with this. I forgot where I was going, but I am going somewhere with that. We're getting that out of the garden right now. <clears throat> I got no corn out of the garden, and it was so beautiful to look at. I got no corn. Thank you. Thank you. I thought, it, I thought at least it would be a collective sigh. Oh. But anyway, uh, the, uh, the, the, there's a verse in the Bible, and it talks about, I went by the house of the slothful man, and his field was grown over with nettles and thorns. And so don't judge me too harshly, but my garden is grown over with nettles and thorns. And uh, anyway, but the spaghetti squash survived. Amen. <laughs> Praise God for that. And we are enjoying the spaghetti squash. Amen. Oh, and we got a few uh, tomatoes. We got some orange grape tomatoes. And those things are like candy. They are just as sweet as they can possibly be. And we're enjoying that. Too bad that with the spaghetti squash and the grape tomato and a har- any kind of harvest uh, comes along heat and sweat and sore muscles and back pain. And uh, squash bugs and slugs. Can I get a witness here? And uh, raccoons and rabbits and deer and crows and aphids and Japanese beetles and mites and fire ants. Fire ants. Now, wait a minute. But you can't have tomato sandwiches and you can't have zucchini bread and you can't have spaghetti squash without all that other stuff. Is that right? You know, that's life, isn't it? That's life. When he speaks about the joy uh, in harvest, let let me tell you something. 
It, it, it's not just harvest. You don't just get up one morning and say, I'm going to have a harvest. No, you start a long time before that in the sweat of your brow and breaking your back and tilling the ground and pulling the weeds and chasing the crows away and getting rid of the rack and on and on and on. And then comes the harvest. Now, the harvest is wonderful. Amen. The harvest is sweet. But in the joy in harvest becomes, it's a joyous occasion because there's a lot of other stuff you went through to get to the joy. Amen. And such is life. Life is filled with joys and with sorrows. Psalm 30 and verse number 5 says, Weeping may endure for night, but joy cometh in the morning. Life is filled with joys and sorrows. Right after the phrase in verse number 3, the joy in harvest, we read this, And as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. Keep in mind the context here. Is coming, a battle is coming. They are on the cusp of an invasion by the Assyrian army. And they are going to take the northern tribes captive. Ten out of the twelve tribes will fall to the Assyrians. And some years later, the Babylonians will take the final two tribes. But in that comes a promise. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And Jesus Christ the Messiah is promised to the people in that dark hour. But here we have the joy in harvest. And then uh, directly thereafter is mentioned uh, men that rejoice when they divide the spoil. That's you, that, that's the, that speaks of the winning of a war. And, and, and the spoil that comes after the battle. That's the jewels and that's the, that's the treasures that are, that are garnished after you've won a war. But in the verses that follow, he speaks of the horrors of war. He says in verse four, for thou hast broken the yoke of the burden, of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor. As in the days of Midian, the Midianites oppressed the Israelites. They, they stole their crops, stole their animals. Gideon, if you remember, was threshing wheat and hiding before our, the, the, the bands of Midianites would just come through on horseback, no doubt. Otherwise, just come and literally just, just, uh, uh, just ravage the land, take anything valuable, uh, people as slaves, animals, whatever they wanted, a harvest. They wait till everything was harvested. They just come and take it, go back to their land. And verse 5 says, he speaks about... Uh, every battle of the warrior. Uh, several of you sitting among us know the horrors of battle that most of us will never know. Thank God. And thank you that for that. We are free. We should never forget. We are free because of the horrors of war. Every battle of the warrior is with confused noise. Confused noise. And uh, people live, people been shell-shocked. You told me about a man this week who and his boy went to church. He was a man, an older man in the church. And the kids got where they poke him in the side. And he jumped like that. And then one day... That man, he watched that man jump. And he said, why do you jump like that? He said, I was a prisoner of war. And he said, the Japanese would poke bayonets in my side. And the young man said, I think I need to stop. 
picking on that man. Most of us will never know the horrors of war. We're free because someone else knew the horrors of war. He talks about garments rolled in blood. There's a handful of you that know what blood-soaked clothes look like in the horrors of battle. And you're familiar with what this verse says, the burning and the fuel of fire, homes, flesh, cities, the fuel of fire. War is an ugly thing, isn't it? But here the Bible speaks about the rejoicing in the spoil of war. You can't rejoice in the spoil of war without the horrors of war. And you can't rejoice in the harvest without the sweat and the toll and the backbreaking work. What God is saying in this passage is that life is filled with joys and sorrows. By the way, listen to me. Everybody's life is filled with joys and sorrows. Maybe, maybe there's is different than yours. That nobody's life is completely sorrowful and nobody's life is completely joyous. Life is filled with pleasantness and frustration. Life is filled with happiness and sadness. Life is filled with pleasure and with pain. Life is filled with anticipation and disappointment. Life is filled with comfort and with grief. And thus it is with all of our lives. Listen, th- th- there is no such thing as a carefree life. And if somebody comes along and says to you, I can give you a carefree life. I can, I, this pill, take a puff, take a shot, and this, your, your, your life, it'll take care of all your cares. No, 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 no. It'll compound the cares of your life is what it will do. Luke chapter 21 talks about the cares of this life. Friends, listen to me. Life is filled with joys and sorrow. Rejoicing is the result of focusing on the joys rather than the sorrows. That's what rejoicing is. Rejoicing is a compound uh, uh, word there, if you will. Uh, as a prefix, joy uh, is the root word. And of course, re is a prefix. R-E, the prefix means again. And rejoicing from the root word joy. So rejoicing is to joy again. It means you go back and you and you and you experience joy again. You look back you, in your mind's eye. You go back and and you and you joy. I had joy. I remember when I got saved as eight year old boy, and uh, Matthew Settle was walking down the hallway beside me after I got saved. My dad led me to Christ, and his uh, Matthew's dad, Doctor Bob Settle, was preaching. And I was on the third row right there where nobody's sitting to, today. And uh, anyway, and got out of that seat, walked to the front, and uh, told Dr. Settle, I need to be saved. He said, are you sure? Everybody thought I was saved, and I thought I was. And the Holy Spirit told me I wasn't. And so I came forward, and then he saw that the Lord was dealing with me. And my dad took me out that door in, this, in that auditorium, took me across the hall, led me to Christ. And I remember after I got saved, we were walking down the hallway, and Matthew Settle said, how does it feel? How does it feel? I said, it feels good. Amen. I experienced joy when I got saved. Amen. I don't have to go to hell now. Amen. But let me tell you something. That was one day I felt joy. Guess what I've been doing now for... What's 53 minus 8? 45 years now. Guess what I've been doing? I've been rejoicing. Amen. Guess what I did this morning? I felt joy all over again. I don't have to go to hell. My name's in the book of life. Woo! I'm on my way to heaven. I'm having a good time. What was I doing? I was rejoicing. I was joying again. How many of you are saved? Say amen. amen. How many of you are not going to hell? Say amen. amen. 
every single day we ought to get joyful about that. Amen? That's what rejoicing is. Now, how many of you have some bills today? Say amen. Amen. Now listen, rejoicing uh, uh, is when is a result of my focusing on my joys rather than my sorrows. Amen. How many of you have those uh, pop up memories on your phone? Wherever you keep your, your pictures, somewhere along the line, someone figured it out. And wherever you put your pictures, then you have memories pop up, right? And I like those things. I don't sign in and look at a bunch of them, but they pop up now. in my email, I guess it is. And I look back and say, oh, man, I remember those days. Oh, wonderful days. And, uh, and, and sometimes I'm melancholy. Sometimes I laugh. And uh, what am I doing? I'm re-melancholy. Uh, I just made up a word. I'm rejoicing. Amen. And uh, I'm doing it again. I'm doing it again. Listen to me. The ability, follow me here. The ability to focus my thoughts is a uniquely human experience. The ability to think about my thoughts, the ability to consider my actions and weigh my choices, that is uniquely a human experience. Listen carefully. Animals live by instinct. Animals, uh, 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 God programmed them and God put it in them and they live by instinct. But, but you and I have the ability to stop and to make choices. We can choose what we think about. We can choose what we uh, concentrate on. We can choose what we focus on. We can consider our choices, our thought patterns, and we can adjust them. And that's part of, that's part of being made in the image of God. That's to do with our will, with our mind. And God made us that way. And rejoicing, which we're commanded to do over and again in the Bible, rejoice. And again, I say, Rejoice uh, again and again. God says, go back and consider the things that I've done and my goodness in your life and get joyful all over again about it. Amen. Rejoicing is the result of focusing my mind on the joys. You know, people who, listen, people who feel deeply are people who think deeply. People who feel deeply are people who think deeply. People who love deeply are people who think deeply. People, listen, people say, well, we just fell out of love. If you've got, if you've got posters up in your workplace and you're chat-chatting with other women... And we just fell out of love. Duh. Because your mind is everywhere else except where it ought to be. You didn't, you, you don't, it's like you fell off a, you know, one of the little ponies. You put a quarter in it, in, 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 you like you fell off of it or something. I'm not, that's, if that's what your idea of love is, you don't even understand what love is. Love is cultivated by thought. Love is cultivated by thinking about the object of your love and considering them and considering their needs and considering what they, what they have done and how they've affected your life. Listen, you want to, you want to rekindle your marriage? You get busy again in thinking about how your wife went to the jaws of death to give birth to those children. And you think about the sweat of your husband's brow. And you think about what each other has given and given and given and you can fall back in love all over again. Amen? 
Love, love, deep love is cultivated by deep thoughts. And listen to me. Here's, a, here's, here's the, one of the weaknesses. There's great, great benefits. The gospel is being spread around the world because of technology. But one of the benefits is that we have, we have a thousand friends about one inch deep. I got, I got 800 friends. And our friendships are about an inch deep. Now listen to me, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If you can influence 800 people in a positive way, hallelujah, wonderful. But that should not supplant, that should not replace deep abiding relationships in your life. Amen? And if you can't keep up followers on Facebook and have a healthy marriage, cancel Facebook, Facebook, Facebook or whatever, and work on your marriage. Amen? Yeah. Listen, love is cultivated by thought, by focused attention. Just as rejoicing is the result of a, a focused, uh, a focusing my mind on the joys, a depression is a result of focusing my mind on sorrow. Some of you are not going to like that. Put your feelings away. I'm going to say it again. Depression is a result of focusing my thoughts. Listen, listen, listen. Children, listen. Please listen to pastor. You're going to need, you might not need this today, but you're going to need this. Please listen to me. Depression is a result of focusing your mind and heart on the negatives. Listen to me. The devil, your mind is a computer. And, and, and everything you have ever experienced, it goes into your computer and it's there. Now, the more files you put on, Mike's a whiz-bang computer guy. The more uh, files you have on your computer open, and the more you put in that, evidently that computer's going to get slower. Is that right? Yeah. And, and then you go on computer, you can delete files. Guess what? You can't delete files from your brain. And, 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 and the longer you live, and, and especially those, those painful experiences uh, are, are folders in your mind, and, and the devil wants to try to get you to go back and relive and rehash where someone disappointed you, someone was dishonest, someone mistreated you, someone did you wrong, and the devil will come knocking on your heart's door, especially when you lie on your bed at night, and times when you're quiet and you're alone, and the devil will go over to the filing cabinet of your mind, and he'll pull it out, and, tick, 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 and he'll pull out this file, and it's got ugly things inside of it, and he'll, look, he'll, he'll come to you, and he'll hand you that file. he say, you remember this? You remember this? You remember this? And he can do that. He can do that with a billboard. He can do that with a few notes of a song that take you immediately back 50 years ago. He can do that with a smell. A smell will open up that file cabinet and bring something to my, back to your mind. But listen to me. The devil can hand you that file. But only you can open the file and sift through and look at all the pictures again. Hey, listen. You can choose by God's grace what you focus your mind and attention on. Rejoicing is the result of focusing on the joys. Depression, a result of focusing on the sorrows. Let me give you some statements. Number one, see the good in every situation. See the good in every situation. See the good in every situation. Psalm 106, the psalmist said this. He said, that I may see the good of thy chosen that I may see the good of thy chosen. Listen to me. I just about, somewhere, I'm ashamed to admit this, but I'm going to admit this, and I'm, everything embarrassing about myself, I'll tell it eventually, so I might as well tell it now. But somewhere about midsummer, or, I, I, I just gave up. I mean, I gave up. In fact, I, I didn't bring it to the pulpit with me, but it's in the trunk of my car. I went out this morning, and I meant to bring it, but I went out this morning and clipped off a, uh, 
I got some beautiful blackberry bushes uh, out there, and I clipped off one. It's about uh, uh, four feet long. And uh, and I don't know what this vine is. Maybe somebody here can help me. If you go down the country roads, the, the corn that's up, you'll see the corn is covered with a vine. And uh, and uh, anyway, that vine got in my garden, and 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 and, and it got away with me in the midsummer. And somewhere uh, uh, midsummer, I said, I give up. <laughs> And I, got, I, I clipped off this blackberry branch, and it's one branch and, and uh, from whence came blackberries, and it is completely wrapped around, I don't know how many, 20 or 25, this vine. And, and then this morning, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about my message and everything, and, 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 and the harvest. And I went out there, I said, you know, I ought, to do, I ought to go out there, and I ought to clip off and bring that to the pulpit. And I clipped it and left it in the trunk. But anyway, but when I got out there, the vines had these little blooms on them. And I said, <laughs> this, is, this is probably silly. I said, the audacity <laughs> of that, bloom, that vine to bloom. That invasive, it was like kudzu blooming or something. It, kudzu's not pretty. I don't care if it has flowers or not. And, uh, and, and, but I, 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 my, my goodness became overwhelmed. And my friend, my friend, listen to me very, very carefully. Life is a matter of intentionally saying, wait a minute, I am going to see that underneath all those vines is a blackberry branch somewhere. And, uh, and, and, and I, I'm so glad, I'm so glad in that I love the, I love the tomatoes this year. I love the zucchini and the squash this year. And I, and I, I, we're still getting some tomatoes, thank God, and still getting some, uh, uh spaghetti squash. But, uh, but, but listen, I, I, all that, is, that comes with it, that comes with it. Now, if I want to, I can just stay mad all the time at the vines. Or I can go out there and get what I can and enjoy it. Amen. That is my choice and yours. See the good in everything. See, recognize the good. Uh, acknowledge the good. Sometimes this must be done by faith. Brother Keith, back here. Brother Kilby. Show me a verse this morning. And uh, he, he's, got, he's had some, some added physical concerns. It goes for some more testing. But he showed me a verse this morning. And he said, all this, he said, this is because God loves me. He said, this is because, he said, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it's going to take me. He said, this is because God's loved me. And Brother Kilby, thank you for that. Here's what the Bible said. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Sometimes we see God's goodness by faith. Amen? God's good all the time. Amen? Amen. But the psalmist said, I, I'd fainted unless I'd believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. See the good in every situation. I think of the man in Matthew chapter number 20. He went to work for a penny a day, which is a fair day's wage. Three hours later, at 9 o'clock in the morning, the Jewish workday started at 6 a.m. At 9 o'clock, some more men were hired, and they too went to work in the vineyard. At, at noon, three, uh, six hours after the first man had started, some more men were hired and went to work in the same vineyard. And three hours after that, this is now 5 o'clock in the afternoon, it's a 12-hour workday from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. First man started at 6 o'clock, some started at 9, some at noon, some at 3 in the afternoon. And a fellow came at 5 o'clock and he didn't have work. And he said, I like that. You, you have any work? He said, yeah, come on, you work in my vineyard, you work in one hour. When they got done with the end of the work day, the man came to pay the wages. Listen now, young people said, listen, 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 look at pastor, please, please, I beg you. You're going to need this. Thank you. Listen, one hour's work 
and the, the Lord of Vineyard came to give out the pay. And the man that worked one hour, he gave him a full day's wage. That's pretty good, ain't it? Amen. I mean, one hour of work, that's pretty good hourly wage, right? That's a pretty good boss to work for. Well, the guy that worked, got worked uh, from 3 o'clock to 6 o'clock, 3 hours, he, he got a, a full day's wage. And the guy started in the middle of the day, got a full day's wage. By the time he got up to pay the fellow that started first, he was griping and complaining. All these guys are getting paid a full day's wage. He got his full day's wage. What well, was agreed upon, and he got mad at the boss. Because he got mad at the boss, he lost his job. Now, who wouldn't want to work for a boss who once in a while just indiscriminately decided to give a full day's wage to somebody who worked an hour? I think I'd like to work for a boss like that, amen? But the sad thing was, listen to me, the sad thing, all he could see was somehow he has been mistreated because, because the boss was good to somebody else. He felt that he was being mistreated. Let me tell you something. God can be as good to anybody as he wants to be. Amen. There ought to be no room in a Christian's life for envy, for jealousy, for somehow feeling slighted because somebody else got something we didn't get. Somebody sung a special we didn't sing. Somebody's kid got to have this honor that my kid didn't have. Listen, there's no room for that in the Christian life. Listen, what, what ought to be is, is that we, we, we literally... Uh, 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 every day purposely say by the grace of God I'm going to focus my mind I'm going to focus my heart on the goodness of God in my life such a person will live a life of rejoicing number one see the good in every situation number two focus on the good focus on the good focus on the good see the good and focus on the good did you ever did you ever uh, start a fire with a magnifying glass. Anybody ever, anybody ever start a fire with a magnifying glass? What do you call that person that loves fire? What do you call it? Oh, these are all the pyromaniacs here. Uh, anyway, but uh, I, I remember getting a magnifying glass. Now, if you want to start a fire with a magnifying glass, what do you do? You got to get the sunlight, right? And you get the magnifying glass, and you go over and shine it on this, then you shine it on that, then you shine it on that, then you shine it on that, and eventually you start a fire. Is that right? Is that how you do it? Is that how you do it? No. What do you do? You find a spot, and you keep it there. Right? And all of a sudden, you see a little smoke. And a little something red, and a little something black, and all of a sudden, whoo, whoo, amen? And uh, it's focused light. Do you know, listen, my dear friend, do you know where joy comes? Joy doesn't come by just saying, thank you for the food, thank you for my clothes, thank you for my house, thank you for my car, thank you for my mom, thank you for my dad, thank you for my wife, thank you for my husband, thank you for That's not where joy comes from. Joy comes from focused thought. When's the last time, hey fellas, when's the last time you just went off by yourself somewhere and thought about the people in your life that you say you love and just thought about them. Just thought about them. You know what every husband in this room ought to do? You ought to spend some time this week intentionally. You, you, you got a 20-minute ride from work? Make it mine. Thursday afternoon on the way home, I'm going to think about my wife from the moment I get in the car till I get home. Yeah. That is how focused, focusing your mind and focusing your heart. That's how you cultivate love. That's how you cultivate depth of relationship. If you want to cultivate rejoicing in your life, you must focus on the good. Here's what I'm saying. Give more mental space to your joys than you do your sorrows. Let me tell you something. There is not... Listen... 
everybody's, that no one's life is without joy or sorrow. No one is missing either joy or sorrow. Every life has joys and sorrows. And yes, there may be seasons of their life where it seems the joys outweigh the sorrow, but yet there'll be other seasons in your life where sorrows outweigh the joys. And the truth is, all of us have good in our lives, and by God's grace, we can, as the psalmist said in Psalm 106, choose and say, God, help me that I may see the good of thy chosen, and we can then focus on that good. You cannot evict sorrow from your life altogether, but you can give it a smaller space. You can give it a smaller space. Little little Fanny Crosby, six months old, and she had she had a, 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 an eye problem, and a doctor was called. And it was learned later that the doctor was really not much doctor. And the doctor put an ointment in her eyes that blinded her at six months of age. When Fanny Crosby was eight years old, she wrote these words. Oh, what a happy soul am I, although I cannot see. I am resolved that in this life contented I will be. How many blessings I enjoy that other people don't. To weep and sigh because I'm blind. I cannot and I won't. Eight years of age. She was sitting on the front porch at Winona Lake. The hotel there overlooking the water. And a, a minister, a preacher from Scotland was sitting next to her fellowshipping. By this time she was the famed Fanny Crosby. Who wrote 3,000 plus gospel songs and hymns and poems put to music. Many that you and I know and love. And she said to the minister next to her, she said, tell me, tell me what the view is. Tell me what it looks like. Can you describe? He said, well, the sun is shining on the waters and there's some birds there floating on the water. And, and he described the scene that was before her and she enjoyed that. And then, and then that preacher said to her, said, Miss Fanny, I'm so sorry that you can't see this beautiful sight. She said, oh, no, 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 no. She said, don't be sorry for me. She said, I'm glad I can't see. She says, because the first thing that I'll ever see is in heaven when I see the face of my Savior. <laughs> you know what you call that? You call that keeping your eye on the good, not sorrow. Amen. You call that focusing your eyes on the good and not the sorrow. I remember my pastor, Brother Hiles. Oh, boy, he went through so many battles. I remember when his grandson, his little grandson, uh, was was killed in the the driveway. A a family member backed over a little two-year-old boy in the driveway and was killed. The little boy was his namesake, named after him. And I remember, I've heard him say many, many times, Many, many battles came to that great man of God. But I remember him saying this numbers of times. He said, you know, I go through battles. He said, and I, I usually, I bleed for about two or three days. He said, but after two or three days, he said, I get back up and I go on and I say God is good and I press on. You know what that old man of God was telling us? You got a choice. 
You can choose to praise. You can choose to rejoice. You can, you, can, you can wallow in your sorrow or you can do what the psalmist said over and again in Psalm 17. I will praise the Lord. I will sing praise to His name. What He said in Psalm 35, 18, I will praise Thee among much people. What He said in Psalm 57, 9, I will praise Thee. I will sing unto Thee among the nations. What He said in Psalm 63, 4, I will lift up my hands in Thy name. What He said in Psalm 71, 14, I will hope continually. I will yet praise Thee more and more. What He said in Psalm 104, verse 33, I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God. Uh, What He said in Psalm 108 verse 3, I will praise thee, O Lord. I will sing praises unto thee among the nations. What he said in Psalm 109 verse 30, I will greatly praise the Lord. I will praise him among the multitude. What he said in Psalm 111, 1, I will praise the Lord. And on and on again, you can find example after example where the man of God said this, I will rejoice. I will be glad. I will sing. I will lift up my hands. I will praise. What was he saying? I am exercising my will. I am exercising my decision. I am choosing to think about God's goodness and to focus on that until my heart is stirred and out of my mouth comes praise and singing and rejoicing. And my friends, you listen to me. There's a God in heaven, no matter if it's cloudy or sunny, no matter if the bills are paid or not paid, but there's a God in heaven who's worthy of our praise no matter what our present circumstances are in this life. And you and I can choose by His grace to see the good, focus on the good, and even next to make it a way of life. Make it a way of life. You know, I I ride down the road and uh, some of the men, I mean, old brother Brett, (laughs) he could spot the deer. And I've been in the car somebody, hey, see that deer? And I went, where, where? My son-in-law, Michael, look at that deer. He said, man, that was a big one. Man. Now, let me tell you something. You get in the car with me. You get in the car. I promise you this. I'll bet you this. I'll wager you this. You get in the car with me. Ride down the road. And we're looking for birds of prey. I'll beat you every time. We ride to school. We count the hawks on the way to school. You know why? I do it all the time. Now, now, if you want to put $50 down, I can't, I can't bet you, but I'll wager you. Uh, <laughs> why? You say, why? Because I've been doing that for years. It reminds me that God loves me. It reminds me that God's looking after me. Amen. I just enjoy looking for Him. And I am, I've trained my eyes with spot Him. I can see them. Now, I want to kill deer. I want to go in the woods and go hunting. I don't understand. I, I, I don't understand. I, I, they, they, these deer, uh, they, 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 I know they're out there. They say they're out there. But I don't see them. Maybe it's because I'm clipping my fingernails or sleeping. I don't know what it is. Did you ever think about this? Joys and sorrows in life. What makes a warm hearth inviting? The cold wind outside. What makes a cool glass of water refreshing? A dry and thirsty tongue. 
What makes a thick sweater or a woolly blanket comforting? What makes rain boots, rain boots and umbrellas fun? The rain. And by the way, what makes a thousand mosquitoes swarming around your head on a hot autumn afternoon in a deer stand? I have no idea. I've never seen why. But some of you have. And that's why you do it. And you and I have ten-point bucks in our lives and mosquitoes in our lives. And we've got tomatoes and squash and zucchini and vines and squash bugs and slugs. And we've got warm, cozy sweaters and woolly blankets and chilly mornings. And it all goes together. Now, if you want to stay depressed over the squash bugs, I'll join you. I mean, uh, but you have a choice. Would you bow your heads, please?